to play Pocket Jacks. Pocket Jacks give a lot of you trouble. They give a lot of uh, content creators trouble, it seems. You want to hear a funny joke? It's really, really funny. You want to hear a really funny joke about Pocket Jacks? Is anybody even here? If you're watching this on a video recording, we do this show live. Monday morning, bright and early, 9 a.m. Eastern time, when I'm at home. I'll be home for a little while, and then I won't be. Okay, you ready for this great joke? You're going to laugh so much. There are three ways to play Pocket Jacks, and they're all wrong. <laughs> so funny, so funny. That's such a funny joke. Oh, we're clever. Seriously, though. There are three ways to play Pocket Jacks. Actually, there's a lot of ways to play, a lot of ways to play Pocket Jacks. And it's important to realize that Pocket Jacks is actually one of the most profitable hands in poker. And if you cannot profit with Pocket Jacks, you are destined to lose at poker because if you can't win with one of the most profitable hands, well, you're pretty bad. Simple as that. A lot of people like to think that Pocket Jacks are Pocket Aces or that Pocket Jacks are supposed to win 100% of the time. But they're not. No hand is. It's like people who complain about losing with aces. I got it all in and they called me with a 7-3 offsuit and I lost. Can you believe it? Well, yeah, you're supposed to lose 15% of the time. 15% of the time is a real number. So today we're going to be discussing how to play pocket jacks from a GTO point of view and from an exploitative point of view, both before the flop and after the flop in all sorts of scenarios so that you have at least some sort of baseline for how you should be playing this hand. First, we're going to talk about pre-flop. Jax usually wants to get all, well, some, but not all of the money in the pot when you're playing medium or deep stacked. You do not always need to apply aggression. This is where a lot of people go very, very wrong. They realize that when they're playing 20 big blinds deep, they can just load the money in with Jax and be thrilled. But they seem to not realize that whenever they are playing 100 big blinds deep, that you don't actually want to be loading money in with the Jax every time. You're going to find that as you get deeper and deeper stack, pocket jacks actually start to shrivel up. So we're going to use the handy dandy poker choking, poker choking, poker coaching charts <laughs> to go through and explain how to play pocket jacks. You may notice we added some charts up here. These are not available for all of you yet, but they will be available very, very soon. We now, well, in the very near future, are going to have six max charts for specifically online, 5% rate capped at 1.5 big blinds. We're also going to have eight-handed, cash game, 100 and 200 big blind charts with no rake. We also have cash charts for live poker with a rake. And um, this is going to be all part of our advanced tournament courses coming out in November. So make sure you check that out. I've been doing a ton of work on that. It's a lot of fun. Okay, let's take a look at, in a tournament first, from any position, in any scenario, you're going to raise the pocket jacks. Let's say we have 15 big blinds under the gun. Do you go all in with it? No. You minimum raise. With 10 big blinds deep, do you go all in with it under the gun? Sometimes, but you can also minimum raise. 12 big blinds, it's going to be mostly minimum raise or entirely minimum raise. So notice, even when you're playing very, very shallow stacked, you're going to be min-raising the jacks from all positions. Notice 10 big blinds deep. Uh, let's go to the cutoff. You see in the cutoff, you're going to be shoving. On the button, you can min-raise. Small blind, we're actually going to limp. We're not going to talk about small blind play too much because small blind is its own unique spot. But as you see, 10 big blinds deep, 12 big blinds deep, 15 big blinds deep, whatever, from every position except for the small blind, whenever you get folded to, you're going to raise. What if someone raises in front of you and you're on the button? 15 big blinds deep. You're going to go all in. What about when you're 20 big blinds deep? You're going to go all in. What about when you're 25 big blinds deep? Hmm. Now we don't go all in. Now we re-raise small or just call. We're calling because our entire calling range is quite strong. What about 30 big blinds deep? Three bet now small. So opponent goes two, we make it something like five and a half. 40 big blinds deep. Now we're going back to just calling. 60 big blinds deep, just calling. 80 big blinds deep, just calling. You may say, why in the world are we just calling pocket jacks 40 big blinds deep? Well, against an under the gun raiser, you are actually not in that great a shape. Especially if all the money goes in. So you'll see that whenever you are on the button versus an under-the-gun raise playing medium or deep stacked, you're going to be 3-betting very polarized, but literally, aces, kings, queens, ace, king, and then a smattering of bluffs mostly with ace, x, and king, x. Uh, as we see, as we get shallower, 60 big blinds deep, it becomes more ace, x, and king, x, 40 big blinds deep, even more ace, x, well, 
Ace X and King X, a little bit of Queen X zone in here too now. Okay, that's preflop on the button versus a race from early position. What if instead you were not on the button? What if you were in the low jack seat versus a race from early position? Pocket jacks. 40 big blinds deep. We're going to re-raise some, call some. 60 big blinds deep. Going to call more. 80 big blinds deep. Going to call about the same. What about 20 big blinds deep? We're going to be all in. 25 big blinds deep. We're going to be all in or re-raise small. Yep, as you see. Okay, so as you see, shallow stacked. 25-ish big blind. Oh, 20 big blinds and shallower with jacks. You're mostly just ripping it in pre-flop. If somebody raises, you're in. Okay? You play cash games, so it's a bit different. You see all these charts we have here? You think we're just going to go through tournaments today? Come on, everybody. Come on, everybody. If you're new here, click the like and subscribe button. Okay. What now? Let's really focus on playing deeper stack. Let's say we're playing 80 big blinds deep in a tournament with pocket jacks. Let's say under the gun raises, we're in the low jack. You see, mostly call some re-raising. Exploitatively, though, I think you probably should be very inclined to call. You may say, what? Why in the world just call with the jacks? Jacks are the nuts. You got to realize, against an under-the-gun raiser, which is what we're talking about here, jacks are not loving it, especially if your opponent four bets. If they're raising a little bit too tight from early position and they're, they're going to four bet some with their best hands, you really don't want that to happen. So maybe you just want to call instead. This is in a tournament, of course, with an ante and no rake. If there was rake, you're going to be way more inclined to three bet. What if we're on the button? Similar story, right? Notice again, jacks just calls. What about small blind? Ugh. Small blind's going to mostly three bet. Small blind really wants to get the pot heads up. If you call from the small blind, now the big blind gets to call as well. That's not good for you. From the big blind, what do you do? Call. Call, of course. Call jacks, playing deep stacked in the big blind. Someone said earlier, just call preflop raises from the small blind with jacks. Ha ha, I'm joking. But I mean, like, look, in GTO world, in a tournament, you're supposed to call 25-ish, 30-ish percent of the time, right? It's just good poker. You can mix it up. That said, I would usually 3-bet in this scenario, and I would not 3-bet 10s, okay? What about if the raise is from um, the cutoff and we're on the button? Now we're going to 3-bet it every time. Now we're against a much wider preflop opening range. So because we're against a wider preflop opening range, we get to 3-bet wider ourselves. From the small blind, same story, three betting jacks every time. From the big blind, also three betting every time because when the cutoff raises, we are now going to be against a wider range, right? So under the gun range is very strong. You really just don't get to three bet at all that often. Against a button range though, or cutoff range, you do get to three bet decently often. Okay, what happens to be deep stacked if let's say under the gun raises, we three bet then under the gun shoves? Charts not great for people who are colorblind. I hear this a lot. Unfortunately, I don't have an easy way to change it. And then unfortunately, none of the poker charts are a different color, red or green. You know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write a note and maybe there's a chance we can change these slightly somehow. Change charts. But I still need them to be kind of red or green because that's literally what every other program uses. Okay, I wrote a note. I will see if there's some way to easily make this to where colorblind people can tell the difference. I apologize. Okay, there must be a lot of colorblind people out there because um, every time we show charts, they comment. Anyway, in this scenario, fortunately you can hear what I'm saying, right? If you can hear what I'm saying, then you don't even need to see the charts. Although the charts are certainly useful. Okay, any big blinds, the button raises. No, 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 no. We're on the button versus raise from under the gun, okay? Say we do three bet the jacks, then they four bet from under the gun. You got to call. So in this scenario, they make it two or two and a half. You make it like six or seven. They make it 18. You got to call. You can't go around folding the jacks, okay? If they four bet all in, you're actually supposed to fold mostly though. Pretty annoying spot. Notice tens calls, jacks folds. It has to do with blockers. Now they interact with the board. Um... Neither hand loves it, though, at all, okay? So I want to make this clear. 80 big blinds deep, if under the gun raises, you three bet, they rip it in, you fold. Okay, what about button versus four bet from cutoff? Now, our hand is quite good. 80 big blinds deep. And the reason for this is because we 
have a hand that's almost always good, but there are going to be a lot of decently bad flop, flops for it. And that's why we do see hands like Ace-King, Kings, Queens, Jacks, Tens, mainly Queens, Jacks, and Tens. And then a few bluffs with Ace-X suited and King-Queen suited shoving. So this is a spot where we're now going to be jamming. Okay, so you see, Jacks goes from being very, very strong to very, very weak based pretty much entirely on the initial Razor's range. If the initial Razor is very, very tight, you in turn are going to be very, very tight yourself, right? If the initial razor's loose, because they're from the cutoff or whatnot, you're gonna be relatively loose yourself. Now, if your opponent under the gun is very, very loose because they just play very, very loosely, then you can almost respond as if they were a natural cutoff razor, right? Not, I mean, most people aren't gonna be that loose, but you can extrapolate a little bit, right? So say you have a lunatic raising under the gun, Jacks are probably going to be good enough to get it in for 80 big blinds, and certainly for 40 big blinds, right? But against a tight player, pretty much no matter their position, if they're really nitty, you have to be way more cautious with jacks, and that's sort of the takeaway from this, right? Whenever you're looking at charts, I think a lot of people think, okay, i got to memorize this perfectly. But no, 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 no. You need to get the gist of it. And on top of that, you need to extrapolate to take advantage of whatever your opponents are doing incorrectly. Just upgraded to Poker Coaching Premium. Great. Hope you learn a ton. What's the best place to start for someone who's not a beginner? The tournament or the cash game masterclass. Check those out. They should be right, right in the courses section. Third, third link down on the dashboard or on the on the side. Okay. Okay, okay. This is all tournament play. What about in a six-handed cash game with a rake? What's this app we're using? This is the poker coaching app. It's literally on the website. You can download it on your phone. Don't use it if, if it's against the terms and conditions of your website or casino. Okay, six-handed cash games. Under the gun, uh, we presume we're 100 big blinds deep here. Under the gun, raise first stand, you're obviously going to raise. So you're raising jacks from every position. Small blind, you want to raise or fold every hand when you're playing six-handed online. Again, this presumes there's a rake. 1.5 big blinds cap, 5% uh, of the pot. So actually relatively tame rake. If your casino rakes more than that, you actually want to be a little bit tighter. Okay. So raising it from every position. What about in the hijack versus a raise from under the gun plus one? Or from under the gun, from the low jack. Under the gun and the low jack are the same. Notice you do three bet jacks. Jacks is good enough. So pause right there. Sure you know, if jacks is good enough to three bet in the worst spot against the player who should have the strongest range, because right here, under the gun should have the strongest range, and we have to also have our tightest range because there are all the other players yet to act, you should know that we're going to be re-raising jacks every single time before the flop. Cutoff's going to re-raise, as you see. Button is going to call or re-raise because we give the button a calling range. Small blind's going to be three-betting every time. Big blind can have a calling range, and it actually does call with jacks. So you see, you're always playing it. You're never folding it. Hopefully everybody knows that. But in this scenario, when there is the rake, you have to only three better fold from both the hijack, the cutoff, and the small blind. You really do not want to have a calling range. Once you do get to have a calling range, though, you see that Jax doesn't like love loading the money in, even from the button. If under the gun raises, six-handed, and you are on the button, you see that you're not actually just loading it in with Jax. Say you do three bet, though, and get four bet from under the gun. What do you do with Jax then? Well, you call and see the flop, but you're not loving it. What if they four bet all in? Eh, you call, but you don't love it. Okay. John Duthie, welcome. You say these charts have really helped you handle the young guns in your local cash game. Good, I'm glad to hear it. That's what we're going for. And again, like I'm saying, if your opponents are overly weak and tight, you would not want a three bet to begin with, right? So you have to extrapolate a little bit. Um, but if your opponents are loose and aggressive, you know, if anything, you should be calling off wider. Okay, um, presumably on the button versus a four bet all in from under the gun, you're going to be calling. What if they're in the cutoff? Obviously, you're going to be calling and you're going to have a wider range, right? Okay. So this is a spot where with jacks, if you do opt to three bet it, you're getting in. Okay. What about from the big blind? Remember again, we don't three bet it to begin with very often at all. If we did three bet it and we got four bet all in against the cutoff or the hijack or under the gun, don't have it under the gun, but against the hijack or the cutoff, you're actually supposed to fold. Hmm. 
So now in this spot, they make it two and a half, you make it 10, they rip it in. You're supposed to fold your jacks against the hijack or the cutoff if they're playing GTO. And to be fair, if you're playing online six-handed poker for any reasonable stakes, you better be playing pretty close to GTO preflop, otherwise you're going to get smashed. Okay, so you see you're only really calling off in this scenario against the button or cutoff, but against under the gun and the hijack, you fold. And even then, you're supposed to fold sometimes against the cutoff or the button with jacks, which is kind of crazy. And also, with the cutoff, queens are also basically neutral. You're not loving it. So what range should the opponent actually be playing here? for you to justify folding. So let's look at cutoff versus three bet from big blind. And you'll see here, they should not be four betting very often at all. Now, why should they not be four betting very often at all? So let's go back to the big blind versus raise from the cutoff. You see, the big blind's three betting range is very strong, right? So in this spot, this is a situation where we're three, the big blind's three betting only the absolute best hands plus Suited connected hands and you know hands with decent blockers, right? So all this is a very strong range. So in position, closing the action, getting you know some pot odds, the cutoff really does not want to four bet all that often, right? So if they don't want to four bet all that often, they're mostly calling entirely with aces and kings and ace king, which are going to call off against the five bet all in. And then everything else folds. But notice there aren't that many combinations of these ASEX suiteds down here, right? This king nine suited, even though it's like half the cell, it's only two combinations. So we have like two, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten combinations of bluffs, and roughly ten combinations of nuts, something like that in the scenario. Aces, kings, and ace king are the nuts. So if this is your opponent's range to three bet or to four bet you, you do not want to be playing for all the money. Say it wrong. If your opponent's 3-betting tight, you don't really want to be playing. You don't want to be uh, re-raising, right? So it's not something you want to be doing all that often. So anyway, this is a spot where with jacks, jacks are all playing pretty cautiously. Take a look at this. Cutoff versus a 3-bet from the big blind. Call jacks every time. Call jacks every time, right? What about against a small blind? Maybe re-raise a little bit more now, but still, mostly call. What about button versus small blind? Again, mostly call. Button versus big blind. Again, mostly call. Right? So you see, in position against a three bet, you're really not doing much four betting at all, and jacks almost never four bets 100 big blinds deep. Good to know. A lot of you were probably playing too aggressively and just loading your money in with jacks because you think jacks are good. Jacks are good if you play them well, but they're certainly not the nuts, especially if your opponents play well. Okay, what about if we're out of position? So say, under the gun raises, we three bet from the hijack. Then they four bet us, not all in. So they make it two and a half, we make it eight, they make it 20, they make it 20. Let's say they're under the gun. Am I a real person? Um, this is an AI program you're looking at here. Okay, notice here, in this spot, we are in position again versus a four bet from out of position player. We, again, fold or call the jacks. Again, you're not playing for all the money. This, again, probably shocks a lot of people. Why are you not playing for all the money? Why are you not ramming it all in? Well, first off, you're in position. In position, you don't want to ram it in. But this is a spot where you are not loving it against a reasonable all-in range. Where can you get a chart like this? PokerCoaching.com, right in the tool section. Also on the Poker Coaching app. We have an iPhone app. Download it. If you're a Poker Coaching member, you have access to these charts. You always hear people say, I don't want to see any more cards as they shove all in with their jacks. Yeah, I mean, look, to be fair, people say all sorts of silly things to rationalize their poor behavior at poker and in life. And to be fair, them saying things like that essentially says, I have done no diligence at studying poker, at least the simple spots like before the flop. This is not rocket science here. In all these scenarios you see, whenever your opponent wants to put in a lot of money, uh, that's not good for you. That's not good for you with jacks. You want to put in a little bit of money, but not a lot of money, Right? And that's especially true as the ranges get tighter and tighter. Oh, look, Ed said the same joke I did. There are three ways to pocket jacks, and they're all wrong. <laughs> so funny. It was so, so, so funny. Okay. Let's move on to poker strategy. Okay. That's uh, six max cash game charts. As you see, you're just not loading the money in all that often at all. What about eight-handed? 
Eight handed cash game charts. Uh, let's do 200 big blinds deep. Very deep stacked, okay? Under the gun, we're raising the jacks. You're always going to raise the jacks, okay? Small blind, if it folds around to you, you can limp the jacks or raise. You can do a lot of limping from the small blind. If they fold to you with no ante and a rake, okay? Um, what about under the gun plus one versus a raise from under the gun? You see? Call or three bet. What about hijack against under the gun? Call or three bet. What about button against under the gun? Call or three bet. Same thing, right? I mean, look, again, not rocket science. It's all the same. They're all call or three bet. Mix it up. Big blind mostly calls though. So here's the one spot. In the big blind, you don't do a whole lot of three betting against the initial raiser in a heads up pot because you're closing the action, getting good odds against the strong range. You don't want to screw that up. If you're in the other positions, you don't really want to call because that lets people behind you call. Let's say we do three bet and we get four bet. And we three bet from under the gun plus uh, one. Yeah, we under the gun raises, we three bet from under the gun plus one, they four bet. Okay, so we raise, or sorry, they raise to three, we make it eight. No, 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 what am I doing? I'm confused. They make it three, we make it eight. They're making it... Oh yeah, they're making it 27, or 20, what are they making it? Yeah, 27. 22, something like that. They make it 22. Let's just pretend. Now notice we are four betting, again, basically never. Take a look at kings, queens, jacks, all just calling. I was getting confused because I'm reading 52 big blinds here. That's how much we make it. I was thinking they made it 52. I'm like, that's not right. All right, so you see, super nitty play, only calling with hands that have great implied odds. So just to clarify the spot, because I was confused. Under the gun raises, eight-handed, in a cash game, with no rake. We three-bet, second position. They four-bet to 20-something big blinds. Back to us. Take a look. We fold ace-king. This is something um, I am not ever going to do in a real-life game, but against someone who is actually playing GTO, I think is playing perfectly, which they probably aren't, but if, if anyone's playing perfectly, then ace-king offsuit's actually a fold. And you see, the only hands that really call are suited aces, and suited connectors that are not that likely to be dominated, okay? So notice we are not re-raising. What about in the hijack seat? Just call jacks again. What about on the button? Just call jacks again. What about small blind? Now, because we're out of position, we're either gonna four bet or fold. What about from the big blind? You don't really have it. The same story, actually four betting or folding. You can mix it up. Notice in GTO world, queens and kings actually fold some small sliver at the time. I don't know about that. Are these charts suitable for spin and goes? Uh, no, but we do have spin and go charts on the site in a comprehensive spin and go course by Ryan O'Donnell, one of the absolute sicko crushers in spin and goes. All right. So we know if we raise, if somebody raises and we three bet them and then they four bet us, Calling jacks most of the time, right? Only only differences when we're out of position. If we do four bet jacks out of position and get six bet all in, we fold. So in the small blind, so I'll make this really clear. Under the gun raises, we three bet, they four bet, we five bet, they shove. After we put in 50 big blinds, we fold. Okay? Fun and good. What about now if they are not under the gun? What if instead they are on the cutoff? We're on the button. And they raise. As you see, we now calling or three betting the jacks. Again, you may be surprised to see the calling with jacks, but you're calling kind of wide. You need to make sure you're protecting your calling range, okay? What about if they four bet? Now we are going to call on the button. What about the small blind? We're going to call. What about in the big blind? We're going to call. See again, 200 big blinds deep, we are not loading the money in. Again, this is something a lot of people do very, very wrong. And as you get deeper and deeper and deeper, you're going to find that your lines that take aggression become more and more ASEX suited heavy and just like aces and kings heavy. And we see here like kings isn't even really re-raising, right? That's, that's enlightening. That's enlightening. Okay. What about a scenario where, well, I guess we're not re-raising to begin with, right? So, so that's it. That's how you play the jacks. 
Um, okay, in multi-way spots, you're gonna find that in general, you wanna be a little bit more linear. Do I wanna pull up a program or do I wanna go to post-flop? We're working on adding the multi-way charts here. We should hopefully have them by the end of the month, so that'll be good. But you're gonna find that you wanna be linear. When it goes raise in three bet in front of you, quite often you do need to just fold the jacks immediately if there's a game with a rake. All right, let's go through some post-flop spots. Post-flop, jacks will either be a premium made hand, a marginal made hand, or junk. You got to figure it out. Can it be a draw sometimes? There are four types of hands. Premium made hands, draws, marginal made hands, and junk. We discussed this thoroughly at pokercoaching.com in the tournament and cash game masterclass. And they all play differently. You refer to me as my coach and mentor. Well, thank you. I do I do my very best. Um, you have two of my books and you watch my videos. They've been very, very useful. And it's good for your mental game too. Good. Are we moving to tournament play later? We did tournament play already. You're late. Go back and watch the first 15 minutes of this. We discussed pre-flop tournament play a lot. We are going to discuss tournament play now. Um, how do I want to do this? Let's do 20 big blinds deep, and we'll look at a few spots, 60 big blinds deep. Okay. What are we looking at? 20 big blinds deep, low jack raises versus his button. Our big blind. Okay, so here, very nice, easy spot. We raise the low jack seat, 20 big blinds deep in a tournament. The button calls. We raise the low jack seat, 20 big blinds deep in a tournament. The, the big blind calls. My brain's getting confused. I'm trying to read the chat over here. We raise the low jack, 20 big blinds deep, and the big blind calls. Flop comes ace, five, three. An ace always flops. They're ace magnets. Oh, no, that's kings. Ha, ha, ha. These, these jokes, they never get old. All right. They're going to check everything. We're going to bet everything. We're going to go mostly small with our hands that are vulnerable. Or with our hands that are marginal. Is jack's marginal on ace, five, three? Obviously, yes. See, most of our ace, our best ace X is going using a bigger size. Most of the underpairs are going for a smaller size. And as your underpair gets worse, you're going bigger. Because the worst underpairs, like sixes and sevens, are more, vulner more vulnerable than jacks and kings. Okay? So say we do bet small. If the opponent raises, what should you do? If they're playing GTO. We're certainly not going to fold. First things first, take a look at this GTO raising range for the big blind. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. No one is doing this. I would not even find anywhere near this many bluffs. If you gave me the 9-8 backdoor flush draw, am I really raising 9-8 of spades on ace-5-3? No, I am not. And I'm playing too nitty here. Good to know. This is why you study. And by the way, on the flop, Big blind checks, you bet 1.4 big blinds. They're supposed to make it 4.7, a tiny raise. They have no all-ins here. Because if you consider their raising range, it's all very good hands, an ace, or gut shots, or total air balls. Fun spot, huh? Notice they slow play their 4-2 suited. That's neat. Okay, so say they do check raise us. If they're check raising all of this, you certainly cannot fold. I don't think most people are check-raising like 9-4, 10-4, 7-2. I don't think people are check-raising this in the real world. They should. Now, look, I would have found the gut shot check-raises. And to be fair, I think what most people do, call it wrong, is that most people are going to check-raise like 7-4, 7-2, 6-4, Maybe like 8-4 and 8-2 every time. And then call all this other stuff or fold this other stuff. But notice... By playing all of the fours and twos by calls or raises, instead of raising a lot of them, that lets you find other hands to raise with. And these other hands right in this region allow you to play these hands in a profitable manner instead of not, right? You'd rather play in a profitable manner than not play in a profitable manner. It lets you essentially play a wider range more profitably. And it's fun also to see like these random sixes going for it, right? First time stream, welcome. If you had a choice, would you prefer to keep Jack-Jack preflop or see a flop with it? You can assign percent. Wes, I just went through how to play all the spots preflop. This is, this is not a simple scenario of what do I prefer. I prefer to play as close to GTO as reasonable until I know my opponents are making mistakes. So look, if your opponents are raising all this trash, you obviously can't fold pairs, okay? As you see, Jax is in calling or sometimes even jamming on ace 5-3. But this is not the real world. When I say jam, I did not mean jam. I mean 10 big blinds. You make it 1.4. They make it 4.7. You make it 10 out of your eight, out of your 18. Figure that one out. 
Oh, GTO's fun, too. Notice GTO check raise is small with a lot of nonsense. Then if you get jammed on, you actually fold out your bluffs, right? So you have a few bluffs in this region, like Jack-9 of clubs. Does anybody re-raise the Jack-9 of clubs here? You get check raised on Ace-5-3. Do you ever click it back or slightly more than click back to 10 with the Jack-9 of clubs? Again, I don't. And that's a mistake. A lot of people think that 20 big blind poker is bingo. This is no fold em, hold em. Ha, ha, ha. And it's not. As you see, there's plenty of play to be had here. Do we do a little poker study before work? We do this show Monday mornings, 9 a.m. Every Monday morning at 9 a.m. when I am not busy with something else. Either poker tournaments or I have to do something with my kids. Okay, so anyway, Jax here is going to call once you get check raise. Let's put up a turn. What are good turns for you? What are bad turns for you? Well, what are obviously bad turns? Type the obviously bad turns in the chat. There's some that are obviously bad. Go ahead, I'll wait. Oh, you know, while you're here, I have a new book. Check it out. 100 Essential Tips to Master No Limit Hold'em. If you like shows like this, this book's for you. This book is very much for you. Search it on Amazon, DMB Poker. It'll be in bookstores at some point. It should come out in late November, early December. I like the book. Lots of GTO spots, lots of exploitatable spots, lots of stuff on mindset. It's 100 tips. If you know all these, you'll be pretty good. All right, four and two are obviously bad. Why are four and two obviously bad? Look what they're raising with. Look what they're raising with. They're raising with the aces, which we don't really care about. They're raising with fours and twos, which smash smash us, right? And then a lot of other nonsense here. Some of you are saying king and queen are bad, but they're not. Why is a king and queen not bad? Because they're not raising any kings or queens. Look, they have literally like two combinations of king, four, and king, queen offsuit. And those connect with the fours and the twos anyway. So king and queen are not bad here, right? So say they raise, we call, turns of two. Well, they're going to bet every time. And we still are supposed to call. Assuming they bet small, which they will do every time. What about on a four? They're going to bet small every time. We still call. Yuck. Why are we still calling? Because I have that smattering of nonsense in this region. Right? They still have all this trash. Assuming they're playing GTO. Uh, a lot of you said the king or king and queen are bad, okay? So what about a uh, king of clubs? Let's say they bet small. Definitely don't fold. You see you're actually calling a ton on the king. King's actually really good for us. Okay? So, what about a uh, queen? Still calling. Okay, say they do bet, the turn queen, we call, river is a, uh, whatever, an eight. They go all in. Now we finally start to fold. Okay, you may ask, why would we call the flop check raise, call the turn bet, fold to a river shove? Why not just fold immediately on the flop? Save ourselves time and money. But you got to realize that they're not always going to check raise, flop, bet, turn, jam, river. Right? And on top of that, when you're structuring your range in GTO world, you should often, well, you should always pretty much fold out some portion of your range on all rounds to a bet. And usually on the river, you're going to start folding out your hands straight up from the bottom that cannot win at the showdown. But also, you want to be folding out hands that are bluff catchers that also block your opponent's bluffs. So what are your opponent's bluffs on this board? Well, we saw 6-4 and 7-6, right? Those can be very obvious bluffs, I gotta presume. So let's say they bet 37, we call. Turn is whatever, I said an 8. Take a look at their bets. 6-4, all in. 7-4, all in. 7-6, not bluffing somehow, figure that one out. 6-2 not bluffing, figure that one out as well. 7-2, right? So a lot of their bluffs are just coming from this junky region, right? Right in here, right? 
So I don't really want to have any of these cards. Not that it matters all that much. They jam river. We got to call off pretty wide, though. Notice queens calls. Oh, queens is, queens is the nuts. Kings folds a lot, too. On every betting round, you should be folding out some portion of your range. And in this scenario, we actually just have a whole lot of hands that are better than jacks, right? And in this scenario, as simple as that. Jacks is no longer one of our best hands at this point because we have a lot of ace-x. So we win. By the way, something a lot of people do wrong. <clears throat> Opponent checks the flop. We bet every time. They raise us to 4.7. Take a look at this strategy. We are calling a lot of ace-x on the ace-5-3 when we get raised. Okay? We're calling a lot of ace-x. So... What happens in the real world is a lot of people shove or re-raise all their ace-x. All of them. Every single one of them. What does that do to your opponents? What does it do to someone's range if they check-raise, or if they, if they just shove it all in with all their ace-x? Well, it makes their calling range far, far weaker, right? And if that's the case, you can check-raise all sorts of stuff. And if your opponent does call, you know they have worse than an ace. You can just blast them on, or bet small on the turn and jam the river, and they're going to fold out a lot of that stuff by the river. What is this program? This is called PioSolver. It's a very good program for running custom simulations for whatever scenario you want to do. We think players in the low stakes find these bluffs. Hello, L7. Welcome. You must have just arrived. I said already, most people don't find these bluffs. Let's get there. Say... In this scenario, your opponent does not check-raise nearly often enough to begin with. And we see you're supposed to call with the jacks, right? In this spot, what is this doing? No, I do not want to be told more. Um, at this point, I'm not going to say you should go around folding the jacks if your opponent will find fours and twos to bluff. Because I think a lot of small six players just find, call it bad bluffs. Like, take a look at hands that are not bluffing. Notice 6-5, uh, I think is a good a good example of a hand that a lot of small stakes players check raise here. Because they think, well, it's probably good, very vulnerable, let me put in the raise. But you see it literally never raises, right? I think this is an example of a hand that a lot of small stakes players will raise that a lot of high stakes players will not, just because they're choosing bad bluffs, but this is essentially a bluff against jacks, right? So I don't necessarily think your opponents are going to be finding these bluffs in this region with like 9-8 of spades, but I do think they will find some fours, and I do think they will definitely find some other hands they should not be raising with to bluff with. Now, I will say, definitively, a lot of players in small stakes games just don't bluff. So if they're not going to bluff at all, and they have literally an ace, well, then obviously fold. Poker is very, very easy when you know what your opponent does wrong. It's not hard. Your opponent doesn't bluff. Okay, how does Jax do against an ace? Bad. So therefore fold. Okay, anyway, let's take a look at another spot. Uh, we'll do another shallow stack spot, then we'll look at a deeper stack spot. Let's look at uh, 983. Sure. Okay, on the flop, they're going to check everything 20 big blinds deep on 983. Give poker coaching a try for one week for free? What kind of deal is that? How am I going to make any money? Go to pokercoaching.com slash five free. Sure, give it a try. Okay, 983. We're not betting every time. This board should be pretty good for the big blind, but we are going to be betting with our best hands and our draws that are vulnerable. I'm sorry, our best hands that are vulnerable and our draws the vast majority of the time. So what is that? Over pairs, top pairs, some middle pairs or back doors, gut shots, open-enders, et cetera, et cetera. So now we see Jack's betting every time. So let's say we do bet. Notice Jax is actually mixing with the big bet and the medium bet. Again, big bet here is 3.3 big blinds into a 5.5 big blind pot. Here, uh, the way we had this set up is this bet... 14 means about 1.4 big blinds. You can see over here the pot is 55, which means 5.5 big blinds. Starting stack is 180, which is 18 big blinds because we min-raise pre-flop out of our 20. Okay, anyway, we bet the flop. Let's say we go small. They're going to raise us a lot here, as you see. They raise us a lot. We're just going to put it in with the jacks because our hand is almost always good but vulnerable. And spots where your hand is almost always good but vulnerable, when you get raised and you're playing kind of shallow stack you just put the money in with those hands as well as some high equity draws <clears throat> what are high equity draws on 983 well that's going to be the over card straight draws so we see it very clearly here queen jack queen 10 jack 10 are shoving a lot okay if they raise bigger say they raise a three point honestly say sorry uh say we bet 1.4 they raise 
all in, obviously you call it off. How to play Jack 10 of hearts. Yeah, bet it. Call, bet it and uh, then rip it in over the re-raise. That's an easy spot, right? The, you're find the low card boards are all similar enough. Let's take a look at 6-3-2. This is one, I think we're going to play it similarly, but we might actually slow play it some. Let's see. On the flop, they can have some leads when they're very shallow stacked. Whatever. On the flop, as you see, we're betting with all of our hands that are almost always good but vulnerable. Over pairs, top pairs, and lots of draws. What are draws on 6-3-2? Lots of front and, front and backdoor uh, flush draws, plus just some random overcard nonsense. So whatever. We bet. They're going to raise a lot on this board, as you see. By the way, this is something a lot of people don't do, and this is something a lot of people mess up. 20 big blinds deep, you need to be raising a lot because winning the pot is very, 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 very valuable. All right. They raise, jacks. Oh, look, it does slow play. I wasn't sure if it was going to jam or call. It might be, I thought it might be good enough to call, good enough to slow play. As you see, it does mix. I will say in the real world, I'm probably just going to jam. This pace is too fast for you. Well, look, you got to realize I'm quite proficient at poker at this point. I've only been doing it for the last, uh, how many years? 20, when did I start? 20 years, oh my gosh, my 20 year anniversary. I've only been doing it for 20 years. Um, if the pace is too fast, luckily there's a recording of this on YouTube. And there's a whole lot of recordings on YouTube. I have a YouTube uh, channel if you've not seen it yet. YouTube.com slash poker coaching. Check it out. We also have this new book, 100 Essential Tips to Master No Limit Hold'em. You can read it at exactly your own pace. The video player, I believe, has 0.75 speed. I do realize I speak quickly because I like to be efficient. Time is money and value and happiness. It's the only resource we cannot replenish. So, is it the only resource we can't replenish? That's not true. It's one of the few resources that we cannot replenish currently. Maybe science will fix that one day, but it hasn't yet. So we need to make sure we make the most of it. And if I can jam a pre-flop and a post-flop section into this one video in one hour, I'm going to do it. Pre-order the book. Thank you very much, Lloyd. I appreciate it. All right. If you're enjoying the show, click the like and subscribe button while you're here. So as you see on this board, Jax is actually good enough to slow play sometimes, but I would just recommend ripping it in. Where can you get the book? On Amazon. For D&B Poker. D&B Poker is my publishing company. I help. Actually, I had my hands very much in all these. I either wrote and or edited and or got these books together. And then they published a bunch of other great books too. Okay, let's see. Check raising the low boards is a great way to pick up the pot. Sure, you should be check raising low boards. I mean, look, like right here, six four, six four, a uh, six three two. You check they bet small, as you see, you get to check raise a ton. 25 percent of the time. And I will say, take a look at your opponent's strategy. Notice they're supposed to check a lot with their unpaired hands on six three two. This is the initial raiser. So low jack raises, we call the big blind flop come six three two. We check. They bet small. Most people bet small with everything here. And if they're betting small with everything, then you should be check-raising far more than this. So how would you exploitatively check-raise more than this? Well, you check-raise more backdoor draws. As you see, 8-7 backdoor hearts is check-raising a lot. Like, really, a lot of these backdoor heart draws are check-raising a lot. Not always, but some. Saying your opponents don't, they see bet too much. Right, that's what I'm saying. Most people continuation bet every time instead of half the time or whatever they should on this board. As you see, all these hands with backdoor spades are check raising some, like 10 of spades, nine, queen of spades, nine, king of spades, nine, right? All these hands are check raising some, not every time, but some. So if your opponent is betting the flop too often, you can check raise far more often and make them fold out all their trash. And they're going to have a lot of trash in this scenario. You also notice the hands that like to check raise are the ones that can make hands that dominate them fold. It's like when you check raise jack of spades eight, you're going to get king jack, queen jack, jack ten to fold, right? And that's a, a great success. Say we do check raise here. Notice, like right, like here, right, I said, you know, king, king ten, king jack, queen jack, these are folding a chunk of the time. And I will also say, in the real world, most people don't call the king of spades jack when they get check raised on six, three, two. So on top of that, they're betting too much, so they have too much junk. And on top of that, I think they defend too tightly against the check raise. So if they're defending too tightly against the check raise, then you can check raise them to death. 
Now, if they stick around, you got trouble. What a lot of people do wrong again. They check raise the flop super wide, thinking, okay, I'm going to push them around, without realizing that when they actually do get called, your opponent usually has something very good. So if that's the case, you should call wider preflop, check raise the flop a ton, and then give up, especially if the turn's not good for you. Okay, let's go deeper stacked. Let's go, I don't know, 60 big blinds. Let's do 60 big blinds. Ooh, low jack versus button, a nasty spot. Okay, now we're going to be talking about, let's look at the same 6-3-2 board. We're going to be talking about a spot where now you raise the low jack seat 60 big blinds deep and the big blind calls, okay? Hello, Shark, says Boza, welcome. From out of position when deep stacked. This might be unfamiliar to some of you. If you've studied at poker coaching at all, it should not be unfamiliar to you. From out of position when deep stacked, you got to check a lot. Why? Because you do not have a big equity advantage. You just don't. The pot's 6.9 big blinds, and we have 30% equity. Less than half. When you have less than half of the equity, you got to check a lot. And as you see in this scenario, we're checking 77% of the time. Now, I will say that of the hands that like to bet, again, over pairs that are likely good but vulnerable, usually like to bet more than the other hands. But this is a spot where we're really just not betting very much at all. Notice here, we do see like kings, queens, jacks, tens, betting, you know, decently often, call it 30-ish percent, 20-ish, 25-ish percent. Yeah, 35% total is what it is. 35% total, you're betting queens, jacks, tens. A6, same story. And then the draws in this region, quote-unquote draws, are be betting somewhat often, but really, you're not betting a lot. So let's say we do check. Opponents should bet frequently and small because they have a range advantage, right? If we're checking everything, and when we do bet, we're betting with a stronger portion of our range. And then, so essentially what, okay, I'm getting, getting sidetracked by reading the chat. We don't have 30% equity. We have 30 chips out of 69. 30 divided by 69 is what, 40-something, right? So we don't have 30%, we have 40-something percent. Still not good. You want to have like more than 50% to be betting frequently. Am I going to Atlantis? I am. Okay. If I'm betting with the stronger portion of my range to begin with, when I check, it makes my range even weaker, okay? So if my range is even weaker, that's going to increase the in-position player's equity to more than four, more than 60% or whatever it is, right? Not 60%, again, I don't know what it is. It's whatever, 30, 58, 58, plenty. So when they are decently favored, they're going to be betting far more often. So as you see here, they're actually getting to bet 40 or 63% six, of the time. Now, the problem with this for them, is that our range should be very well protected. Okay, so if our range should be very well protected, they can't actually check raise all that often. I'm sorry, they can't actually bet all that often because we are going to check raise them some. Let's see what happens. Say they do bet small. Jax is check raising the majority of the time. And that's not what they want. And take a look, we're actually check raising 18% of the time. Fortunately for us, the 18% is actually pretty easy to find here. Over pairs that are almost always good but vulnerable. Top pair, top kicker. Top pair, top kicker loves to check raise, by the way. And flush draws. Right? Those are easy to find. And then you're going to go with a smattering of bluffs. What are bluffs on ace? I'm sorry, six, three, two, two, two spades? Well, over cards with a spade. So our high equity bluffs are the flush draws. Our low equity bluffs are queen of spades, jack. Queen of hearts, jack of spades, right? Same thing over here with the king jack, same thing over here with the ace jack. Notice the ace jack really prefers to call, though, because it's not getting many hands that it, lo it, it loses two to fold, whereas, like, queen jack is, is raising more often than not when it does continue, at least a large chunk of the time. Okay? So 60 big blinds deep, and even deeper stack to some extent, you're going to be doing a decent amount of check raising with your overpairs that are almost always good but vulnerable when you don't have much of an equity advantage. So let's look at a different spot. Let's look at a 983. We looked at that one earlier, I think. 983. Give it a second. Give it a second. Now we're going to be betting more often. Why are we betting more often on 983 than 632? You all know. Now we have 36 equity out of 69, which is slightly more than half. 
right? 35 is, or 34 and a half is half, we have 36. So this is a board that favors us more. Why does this board favor us more than 632? It favors us more because we have all the draws and a lot of pairs. We also have sets, of course, but we have sets down here anyway. But the main thing here is we have a lot of pairs, a lot of top pairs, right? Top pairs are very good, and these draws in this region are also very good. So we have more equity. What's theater we in? This is low jack versus the button. We raise low jack, the button calls. Our range is different. Our range is not different. Our range is actually exactly the same. It's the exact same range composition because this presumes we raise the low jack and the button calls. And then the flop comes. We have the exact same range here. The difference is our range interacts with the board substantially better. And therefore, we're going to have an equity advantage. When you have an equity advantage, you bet frequently. When you have the nut advantage, you typically bet using a bigger size. And on this board, notice we have sets, all of them. We have 9-8 suited, and the opponent does not have 9-8 offsuit. So that's good. And we have all the over pairs, and they don't, which is good for us. So here we have both a range and a nut advantage. So we're going to be betting pretty frequently. Now, from out of position, you basically always have to have some decently big checking range. It's going to be a lot of ace high a lot, and a lot of medium strength hands, plus a few slow plays. As you see, aces, nines, eights, and threes, and nine, eight, all slow plays some portion of the time. If we do check, by the way, and they bet, we are not raising aces, nines, eights, and threes every time. This is something a lot of people do wrong. They always raise sets. They always raise aces. You'll see these hands do not like to raise because they have to protect the rest of the check calling range. Notice how trashy our check calling range is. We have a lot of ace high, some king high, some draws, a bunch of nines and eights. We have under pairs. All these hands cannot withstand much pressure on the turn in the river, right? So when you can't withstand a whole lot of pressure on the turn or the river, you in turn have to protect your calling range by check calling with some super duper nuts. Okay, um, say we do check with jacks. Say we do check with jacks. Notice we're supposed to check it a little bit. If the opponent does bet small, we are supposed to check raise our jacks every time. Why? Common story. It's almost always good, but it's vulnerable. So say we do check raise any amount. Say they re-raise to 13. We're now just, we're, we're clicking it back or playing for all the money with jacks. We are playing it for all the money with jacks. <clears throat> if we did check raise, sets, by the way. You just call them again. Slow play, slow play, slow play the sets hard. Slow play the sets hard. <clears throat> Nothing worse than a fold when you have a set. Well, I guess. Okay, so you could lose. Okay, so here, if we do bet the jacks on the flop, going back to standard scenario, say we bet our jacks on the flop, um, you notice the smattering of sizes being used, whatever. Just use medium, small, whatever. Say we do bet 4.1 on this very dynamic board. We will teach you at pokercoaching.com to bet bigger on dynamic boards. Queen 8-3 is a very dynamic board because there are lots of straight draws to the point that a 9 that's almost always good now will often get a lot worse by the river. Okay, say we bet 4.1. Opponent's not going to raise very often at all because we are betting with a decently strong range. By the way, notice that they have jacks. They're going to call or raise here because they're in position. They're just, they just don't raise very often. But again, notice the hands that want to raise when deep stacked, hands that are almost always going to be vulnerable, jacks and tens, plus a few draws. So whatever, they're going to call. Let's put up a turn. Go ahead and think about it again. What are good turns? What are bad turns for jacks? Not that that should actually be the question you should be asking yourself. You should also you should always be asking yourself, which cards are good or bad for my range? And which cards are good or bad for my opponent's range. It's not just about you. It's not just about your opponent. It's about both of you and how you interact together. Let's say it turns to two. We're definitely going to keep betting our jacks. <clears throat> when you bet the flop with a polarized range of hands that are almost always good but vulnerable and a bunch of draws, and you get a turn to the point that all those hands that are almost always good but vulnerable are still almost always good but vulnerable, you're going to keep betting. Notice here we're using a mix of sizings. Say we do go 15 big blinds into 15. We're potting it. Opponent calls. Say the river is another two. Can we jam it all in for value? Of course. Check raise flop. I'm sorry, no, bet flop, bet turn, jam river, 60 big blinds deep. Say the river's an eight. Still, 
betting a large chunk. Wow, if we bet if they jam? Oh, we're all in here. I'm sorry, it's an all-in bet. Um, say the river is, river is a... What do we want to make a river? Say the river is a queen. Small value bet. That's what I was thinking it would do. I'd say that's going to feel dirty. Bet flop bet turns small value bet river because now we almost always have the best hand. But if we blast it, it's hard to get called by worse. If they do jam us, we fold. Gross. You may say, why, why would we bet the river and then fold with jacks? Because we can get called by worse when we bet small with jacks. Notice when we have jacks here on 9-8-3 to jack, we block their jack 10, which is great. But also, take a look at what's supposed to call us in this spot. 8-6, <clears throat> some portion of the time, 9-7, 10-8. 10-9, jack-8, jack-9, right? All these hands have to call a small bet in this spot. There are 49 ways to play pocket jacks and they're all wrong. Oh, he won up to my joke. You won up my joke, boy. There are three ways to play pocket jacks and they're all wrong. <laughs> yeah, in this video we showed there's actually about 49 ways to play jacks wrong. Um, so anyway, small value bet on the river. Something a lot of people do wrong. A lot of people would never value bet a queen river, but this is a spot where from out of position, given you have a lot of nuts here, you want to be betting small. Say the river's um, an ace. Same story. You may be shocked to see same story, but we have a lot of ace, right? Okay, let's go back to the turn. Say the turn's a 10. No, oh, you want to do a dirty one. What do we do? Keep betting, of course. Now, Jax is like kind of better because Jax now has a straight draw in the, in the chances you have to be beat. So we're going to be betting jacks the majority of the time. If we do check and we do face a bet, we're going to be jamming, or at least raising. Yeah, we're jamming or raising the jacks. So anyway, we're going to mostly bet, though. Which size does it prefer? It's all over the place. Let's go for a medium size. Two-thirds pot. Let's say opponent calls. Let's say the river's a two. Do we value shove? Of course we do. Say the river's a eight. Do we value shove? Ugh. Probably small bet. Yeah, small bet now. As you see, 8.3 into 33. If we do bet 8.3 to 33, and they go all in, take a second, think about it. You bet 8.3 to 33 on 9, 8, 3, 10 jack. Should you call it off? I don't know. Ha, look at that. Computer doesn't know either. It's 50-50 mix. <laughs> oh, fun game. Um, anytime, by the way, the computer does like 50-50 mix on any of these hands, I would recommend folding against most people. And the reason you want to fold against most people is because most people don't bluff nearly often enough. If you're not bluffing nearly often enough, then you should be folding all your bluff catchers. And all these hands are essentially indifferent. All these mixed hands are indifferent. Uh, okay, let's say the turn's instead a kind of rough card like a queen. On a queen, you see we're going to start to do a lot of checking. Less checking than I thought it would be. But it still is doing a lot of checking. We do check and they bet, of course, we're not going to fold. We're going to call now because we have a clear marginal made hand. Remember, you always want to be classifying your hand here. What do I have? Premium hand, marginal made hand, or junk? And now queen, when a queen turn turns, uh, the jacks get downgraded a lot. Let's go to a king turn. King turn, interestingly enough, we get to keep betting. Why do we get to keep betting on the king? Because we have a lot of kings. Also, the opponent's range does not have a whole lot of kings, right? Remember, we bet they called. Notice they really don't have a lot of kings at all. So again, it's not necessarily about your hand or your range or your opponent's range. It's about all of it put together, right? How does your opponent's range and your range interact? And on this king turn, Jax is actually really good. Notice they also don't have a whole lot of aces. We'll see how an ace plays in a minute. So say we bet four more when they call, turns a king of clubs. Notice we get to bet this turn almost every time, which is pretty cool to see. Right? What about on an ace? We get to keep betting frequently and small about half the time. Seems reasonable. On the ace, I kind of would have thought it would have bet even more. And I suppose it's not betting more because our kings are like way worse now. On the on the king turn, our ace high is still pretty good. But I guess on the ace turn, our king high is not very good. So that's the reason we got to check to protect the weaker portion of our range because we really don't want to get blown off our king high that could be good. If that makes sense. All this, of course, presumes the opponent plays well. If the opponent plays poorly, 
They're going to have far too many nuts, far too many bluffs, far too many something, and that's up for you to figure out. We were looking purely at how to play in GTO World. I want to look at one more spot before we leave, um, because I know a lot of you have asked for it. It is the Ace-XX board. Let's look at Ace-Queen-7 out of position. We're going to check. I hope. Flop comes Ace-Queen-7. Strategy. So I'm betting. More than I would have thought. Because we have range advantage. Right? As you see, 39 out of 69. So now we're like pretty big favored. I, I guess I did not realize we were quite so favored on Ace-Queen-9. If, if you told me we had 40 chips out of 39, or 40 chips out of 69 for our equity, I, I perhaps I would have said bet even more often. Um, but okay, fine, whatever. We're going to bet. Say we do bet small, ton of calls, turns a three of clubs, and we're going to keep betting. Jack seems like a really bad bluff now. So yeah, but now we check the jacks. So you see, we're essentially just nudging money in on the flop with our range advantage. But now on the turn, we're going to do a lot of checking. Say we check, and the opponent's going to bet polarize now when they do bet, as you see. Now we just let the jacks go a large chunk of the time. Bet small on the flop, nudging money in with a range advantage. Now we're done. And I would say exploitatively, you probably just want to fold this every time. Let's take a look at a slightly different one. We had the ace-5-3 earlier, I think. Let's look at ace-5-3. And, um, okay, now we're going to be checking it a little bit more because we don't have as much of a range advantage, right? We were at uh, 39 a minute ago, or 40. Now we're at 34 or, or thirty-four out of 69, so it's like 50-50. When it's 50-50, we're going to be doing a lot of checking. Not always 50%, by the way. Sometimes that's just how it works. So say we check. Say opponent does bet. We're not going to fold the jacks. We're going to call on ace-5-3. Say the turn's a 9. We're going to check everything. Kind of surprised as he leaves. All right, whatever. We check. Say they bet again, they're going to go big. When they start going big, we get to start to fold a decent amount. And now, as you see, we become kind of indifferent with the jacks. And at this point, against people who don't bluff enough, it's probably okay. I will say, when you raise out of position and the button calls, you bet the flop and they call, a lot of people will bet the turn when checked to. I actually have a section, one of the chapters in this book, my new book, 100 Essential Tips to Master No Limit Hold'em, is bet the turn when checked to. Why? Because people fold too often. So if people are exploitatively folding jacks here, then obviously that's really, really good for your opponent. So you can't go around folding jacks here. If your opponent knows that, say they bet, you call, rivers, whatever. Say it's a seven of clubs. You check, they're going to go all in or check. They go all in. Now you see jacks folds every time. Fine, right? You're going to find that under pairs very often from out of position when you miss, or oh, sorry, when there's an over card, check call once, check fold, turn. If they don't check fold turn, they check fold river. As long as you're protecting your range and making sure you have a lot of uh, the top pairs and better. Kind of wild to see aces fold here, but I suppose our range is just so good that they can. All right. You see small bet flop, check, check, turn, then half pot on the river. Pretty much any card. You think it's a big leak folding something like jacks. But let's go back to here. Okay, so flop comes. You bet small. They call. Turns a nine. You want it to go check, check. River is like, what, a seven of clubs. Jax is actually a value bet here. I'm going to say, once it goes check-check on the turn, you should be value betting Jax. So that's a problem. But let's, well, so look, like right here, you wouldn't even check Jax. So say you had um, eights instead, I guess. If you check eights and your opponent bets half pot, roughly, um, eights are probably going to be pretty neutral, right? All bluff catchers are neutral against good players. You're saying with the queen on the flop. Oh, wrong thing. Let's go back to the ace, queen, seven. Because I do want to answer that. I do want to address this because it's important. Because out of position, it's tough to play. So you're saying you raise pre-flop a jack, a low jack. You continuation bet small on the flop opponent calls. Turns, whatever. Four. Check. Check. River is some other blank, like an eight. Can you value bet on an eight? Um, I would guess not. You cannot value bet the eight. So you check it every time. Check. Now let's say they half pot it. Well, again, you're probably going to be pretty indifferent with all of your bluff catchers, right? So when you're indifferent with all your bluff catchers, you kind of want to ask, what hand should my opponent be bluffing with? What should they be bluffing with? Well, look at their turn check back range. They have king jack some, king ten some. Those make a lot of sense to bluffs, whatever what other nonsense they have. Jack ten, checking some. Ten nine, ten eight, nine eight. 
butt in. So in this spot, we really don't want to have a king or a jack or a 10, I don't think. So we may see that a hand like a seven on the river calls more often than pocket jacks. That's just a little hypothetical thing. Maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. So we check, let's say they have pot. Jacks folds every time, and sevens do call sometimes. Well, in this scenario, when an eight comes, eights are going to call, of course. Eights are better than sevens. So we see like nine, eight calling every time, but pocket jacks folding every time, right? And this is what I was talking about. Talked about a lot of stuff here, someone said earlier. We talked about a lot today. But as you see here, you really want to block their value, which would be sets and two pairs, which is why, like, you know, 10 8 and 9 8 block ace 8, right? And you really uh, want, you, you do not want to block their bluffs. So you always want to consider when you're bluff catching the river, if you think you're trying to be somewhat GTO and you're not trying to fold all your bluff catchers because your opponent's terrible and they don't bluff anywhere near often enough then you really want to not have cards that block your opponent's bluff. So on ace, queen, seven, four, eight, the only logical bluffs in my brain would have been king, jack, king, 10, and jack, 10, and 10, nine suiteds, right? Assuming they didn't bet the turn. Now, some people will always bet them on the turn, then those no longer matter that much. But if they're always betting them on the turn, probably have far too much junk on the turn. Anyway, this is a spot where on the river, it's probably fine to fold jacks, but not jacks and every hand worse than jacks, right? Because as you see, Hands worse than jacks, like especially 9-8 here. 7-6 sometimes. Pocket sixes even. These hands do not interact with the opponent's bluffs, and they block value. Like sixes block the random 6-5 six, suited that, that got there, right? 9-8 blocks two pairs and, and river set of eights and whatnot, right? So that's why I'm calling with those with set of jacks. So that's it for today. I'm going to tell you my joke one more time. There are three ways to play pocket jacks. And they're all wrong. Ha 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 So funny. Okay. Hopefully this was an entertaining show. If you liked it, click the like and subscribe button down below. Click the notification bell. We have lots of YouTube content coming out for you. Check out the new book. Essential. 100 Essential Tips to Master No Limit Hold'em. You can get it on Amazon or D&B Poker. You can pre-order it, actually. It'll be available at the end of November. Might as well put in the pre-order so you don't forget. And um, we have an advanced cash game course coming out on pokercoaching.com very soon. Someone asked, are these charts available in the app yet? No, they are not. They're currently in beta version just for me. So I have access to the brand new charts. Um, we're actually going to do our absolute best to get multi-way spots loaded up in this as well. This has been a big update on the back end to get multi-way designed in a way that actually works smoothly. I think we'll have it done. You never know. We're going to have a big Black Friday sale coming up soon for people who want to check out poker coaching. That's me for today. I hope you enjoyed today's video. Click the like and subscribe button. Click the notification bell. Thank you again for being here. This was complete nonsense for you right now, but very interesting. If you are new-ish to poker and today's show was complete nonsense to you because you don't, you haven't studied poker a lot, go to pokercoaching.com slash fundamentals. It's a completely free three-hour long crash course. It'll make you better than your friends. And from there, I would definitely recommend you go through the cash game or tournament masterclass on pokercoaching.com. And once you've done that, this will not be complete nonsense to you, and hopefully you fully understand everything I'm saying, and a lot of it makes a whole lot of sense. Good luck in your games. Have fun. Make the most of your week. I appreciate each and every one of you being here. I'll talk to all of you next time. Bye-bye.